WWF chant. Well, actually, The Rock needs no introduction anywhere in the civilized world. This is The Rock, and welcome to The Rock's pay-per-view aptly entitled Rock Bottom. Yeah! Now, being a corporate champ, this is going to be the first of many pay-per-views to come featuring the great one himself. For example, all the in-your-house... No, you're old, Jabroni. Sit down. You're blocking the, the Rock's light. For example, all the In Your Houses from now on will be entitled In The Rock's House. And future titles to come will be Rock Solid, Rock and Roll, and of course one of The Rock's personal favorites, Laying the Smackdown. So keep your eyes open for that one, Jabronis. It'll be down the road. Now, of course, each and every pay-per-view has that stamp of The Rock's 100% guarantee of the finest action in sports entertainment today. So what The Rock wants you jabronis out there to do is know your damn role. Shut your damn mouth. Sit back, relax, and enjoy The Rock's pay-per-view if you smell. Podcast episode number. Uh, How many bonus episodes? We've got three, three bonus episodes. Episode eleven. Episode eleven. Is Excluding it? bono episodes. We have done three bonus episodes, so it's episode eleven. We're going to, what we're going to do is right now we've got to cut in the correct number of episodes. <laughs> One, two, <laughs> three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I'll just delete which one is delete, appropriate. Yeah. Leave the whole thing in. I think the listeners might like to listen to Billy counting. So it is Rock Bottom 1998. Hello everyone once again. I'm Kevin Mann. Joined as always as I am in this critique of the Attitude Era by my cohorts and comrades. First of all, the gentleman sitting across from me, Adam Bibolo. Good morning to you, sir. Hello there, Kevin. How's things? Very good. Can't wait to get into Rock Bottom. There's a big amount of stuff here going on. Yeah, and uh, to my right, the man who emotionally hit rock bottom in our last episode, Survivor Series, the the man who has been swerved left and right by Vince Russo, it's Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Jesus. The innocent child, Billy Hello. Keeble. Are you okay now, Billy? Have you, have you settled down a bit? No, I've not quite recovered. I was talking to someone on Twitter about uh, the personal attack that was made upon me. Uh, 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, uh, at Survivor Series. By The Rock. And, uh, by The Rock. And I, um, I'm glad my leg isn't broken anymore, because if my leg was still broken and The Rock personally attacked me, I don't think I'd be alive here today. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I know so many relatives that died of a broken leg and a broken heart. That's that's true. The, the combination of both. It's, it's fatal. It's like the end of episode three. Like, yeah. you know, that's, Billy will just be there and they're like, giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it's time for us to review the last pay-per-view offering from the WWF of 1998. It's the end of the calendar year and it's rock bottom. Neither win. For he will take unto himself the soul of our brother, 
that theme there last month we had survivor series yeah deadly game rock opera a lot of pomp and circumstance yeah a big a lot of big, people were big fans of the uh, the deadly game music yeah, yeah uh, sassy and now we have literally what could be best described as stock industrial music to me it sounds like you know when you get like a shitty old ke- uh, keyboard from the 80s and it has like built-in songs like bossing over and you press play and it's like <laughs> <laughs> it uh Crap. it's Creme Croc Industries from Donkey Kong Country. No, that, that, music, that music was good. Actually, no, that's, that's true. Yeah, it's Rock Bottom 1998. It's a themed show in the sense that it's meant to be brought to us by The Rock. It's it's The Rock's yeah. show, The Rock's yeah. pay-per-view. The Rock uses the phrase The Rock's show quite willy-nilly, so it's actually nice for him to actually have his, his own, own show. show for once. Although, that being said, we can say off the bat, the theme of the show, it being The Rock's show, really only extends to The Rock giving us a little introduction and some banners by the ring. So inconsequential. Means yeah. nothing. He, he introduces the pay-per-view and, he, and he, he sa- it says that the from, pay-per-view... From Planet Hollywood. From Planet nice. Hollywood, it says that he has... Uh, that the pay-per-view has uh, the rock stamp of a 100% guarantee that uh, is going to have the finest action in sports entertainment, which is a fucking lie, because Kurgan and Gold are on the card. <laughs> he lied to you again, He Billy. lied to me again! The Rock, coming to us from Planet Hollywood, where wisely and conspicuously, no one is eating any food or drinking any drinks. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is standing awkwardly as The Rock slowly walks through wearing a leopard print shirt. He also mentions that all the in-your-house shows from now on going forward are going to be called In The Rock's House. <laughs> I they, like that. Because, yeah, because, you know, before it was in your house. You had to order the pay-per-view. You have to watch it in your house. Yeah. Now we're all just going to bundle in together, go down to The Rock's big house in Miami. Everyone go down to The Rock's crib. Yeah, have a whale yeah. of a time. Oh, you've got pillows and sleeping blankets, staying up until midnight. Oh, that'll be For nice. a heel, that's a generous offer. Asking The Rock if we'll be friends forever. Yeah. <laughs> Braiding each other's hair. That kind of thing. So I like that. The Rock says we can also expect other shows coming forward, such as Rock and Roll. <laughs> Fuck's sake. And the one he said, uh, lay in the smackdown. He says, keep your eyes out for that. And little do we know, Smackdown would actually go on and become, become his show. So yeah, it's a themed show. Uh, and like the NWO had their own themed pay-per-view in WCW at the time. But they really went all out with the theme. They, you know, had black and white. Yeah. You know, had different, um, you know, different intro music. All this. This really just seems like a regular-ass pay-per-view that The Rock happens to be introducing. Yeah. Well, not even that, because the, like, the big hype is all on the Buried Alive match. Something mm. that's got nothing to do with The Rock whatsoever. He has no involvement in that. And speaking that, of, the yeah. The pay-per-view should have just been called Buried Alive, really. They that actually, and the the funny enough, one of the, the acting in your house in 1996 that was called uh, Buried Alive. That's the, what this should have been. The first Buried Alive match, 96, was Mankind versus The Undertaker, yeah. and they actually had that pay-per-view title going, and they decided but, not to use it. As the promo says, sometimes a title match isn't enough. Freddie Blassie promo to start us off dwells almost entirely, actually 100% entirely, 100% entirely on the Buried, on the buried Alive, Alive match. match. Yep. Undertaker and Austin, The Rock not very much appearing at all in this uh, nope. introductory offering. In his own pay-per-view. 
It's a uh, serious full-on Blassie here, though. I mean, we had a little bit of a dip from Blassie appearances, but now he's all, you know... He's back. Mind, body, and soul, and things like that. We get lots of shots of all the crazy stuff that's been going on uh, with Austin and Undertaker, including the crucifixion that took place on Raw. Yes. And I also want to point out, it's the first of many crucifixions, <laughs> and it's not even my favourite crucifixion. <laughs> there's <laughs> loads he's more there. your favourite crucifixion, Sandman, by any chance? No, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an absolutely... A burn burner of a crucifixion coming up in mid ninety nine. I I won't spoil it. You know, when the lads always come, they always spoil the crucifixions on on Twitter and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I hate that. Reading the spoilers and the dirt sheets about the crucifixions. Austin has to win this match to qualify for the Royal Rumble. We cut to ringside. First of all, big problem with this pay per view. We've not got Jim Ross, as no. we mentioned on the Capital Carnage bonus episode. Jim Ross at that show, which was literally days before this, had a second bout of Bell's palsy and his mother died. So. He's out of the picture. He's got more than enough of a reason to stay yeah. off air for a little while, I think. But we've got Michael Cole. Fuck me. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ, he ha- sucks. He sucks so bad. I, I didn't think he was that bad. Oh, really? Are I you hate serious, Michael, I hate Michael Cole now. I, I disagree. I, really I don't like Michael now. Cole now, but he's improved a hell of a lot from this. I don't think he's awful here. He's no, he's nowhere. He's nowhere close to. Just- uh, what, atrocious. What I, no, no. What I'll say about Michael Cole is that when there's stuff happening, you don't really notice. But when there's lulls in action, it's so obvious that literally every word coming out of his mouth has been fed to him through a headset. Yeah. I mean, seeing beyond the match, Jim Ross at this time was literally just feeding in 99 percent of it, and Vince would have been doing it as well. Mm. When there's lulls in action, you can tell. That Michael Cole is awful, I think. And his delivery is so boring and monotonous. And... He is at times passable, but I will point out, I think, in this night that there's multiple times where he has not reached that yeah. level. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler at ringside discuss the Buried Alive match that's coming up. And now we just see it over two tons of dirt in a tombstone, which weighs in excess of 3,000 pounds. Either Stone Cold or The Undertaker will be buried in that grave tonight. Boy, how much did how must it feel for the Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin to view their own grave site? How eerie is that, Michael? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rock Bottom in Your House. Michael Cole, of course, making note to show that the tombstone up at the rampway raised three thousand pounds. Apparently, really doubt that. Now I'm. It's first of all, it's only little. <laughs> it's not like a, a gangster's tombstone that yeah, would yeah. like you know spend a lot of money to spite the tax man in death or whatever. It's a very modest working family's tombstone. Three thousand pounds. I'm pretty sure it's just a cardboard box that's been painted to look like a tombstone. It's probably hollow. But three thousand pounds is nah. like six big shows. Yeah. I don't think that small, like, TV-sized piece of... Uh, Made of dark matter, you see. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. But they talk about it quite a bit. Anyway, opening contest. Outcoming first is Mr. Val Venus, who cuts a sexy promo about pancakes. Hello, ladies. <laughs> I love that part. You know something? The Big Balboski is a lot like... Butter on a pancake. <laughs> Butter on a pancake? You know, we both melt in the hot spot. Wow. <laughs> so As sexy, you man. You know, like, eating pan- you know, you've had pancakes before. I was yeah. having pancakes this morning, looked down, I had a boner. Didn't even realise <laughs> that's how sexy pancakes but are. But it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like you go to a bunch of, like, you know, Beavis and Butthead-esque teenagers going, 
you know, hey, we're going to have some weenies for dinner. They might start laughing. Yeah. Or, you know, we're going to have some, you know, ass later on. Or something. <laughs> Great but example. If you go, hey, guys, we're going to have some pancakes later. They're not going to, like, look at each other knowingly and kind of go, oh, <laughs> pancakes. I think he knows what he, the butter melts in yeah, the hot spot. He's going to put his homemade syrup on it. Oh, he didn't go that far, Billy. Why should you? <laughs> I love the way, yeah, the fact that Val usually has a long, drawn-out kind of sexy promo. Yeah. This one was literally one sentence because the double entendre reached its natural conclusion yep. as soon as you just said the opening bit. I'm like pancakes. Butter gets hot and melts. <laughs> <laughs> and all the women are, like, taking their tops off to just, like, turn on. Anyway, Godfather is the Val Venus's partner. Yes. Now, this is our first really proper yeah. full on Godfather we saw him a little bit with the hose at Brawl yeah. for All but here he is now with his hat with a feather in it yeah. and he's got his lime green ring attire funny story about this I don't think they get called it at all during the actual run of the match but on the official match card and on the VHS cover it said that this tag team was called Supply and Demand <laughs> fuck off <laughs> now did you guys hear them being called no, that on no, screen no I didn't Supply and Demand Supply as in Supply and demand sex sex workers. Yes, yeah, that's what they're doing here. They're applying an economic term to an illicit underground practice. Uh, speaking of which, the announcers talk about it like it's the most normal thing ever. Like you know, oh, do you reckon he's going to give some of his hose to Valvinus later? Oh yeah, I think he's going to buy a couple of hose off him later on. Hey, you know what they say, Michael Cole? Valvinus likes to exchange money for the goods and services of women for the purposes <laughs> of sex. <laughs> Just like my granny always <laughs> I might, I've dubbed these guys instead of supply and demand team attitude era because <laughs> yeah. they go on a terrier at the start they spend it longer than the actual length of the match at the start just kind of going hey Val you're a porn star you've got a dick and he's like I know right <laughs> would you like some prostitutes y- you know I would and then Val looks at the whores and says I've got the Yuli log if you've got the fireplace. Nice little Christmas sex pun. Yeah. Calling a vagina a fireplace is possibly the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. You know, you know, women's vaginas, mate, full of flu powder. Yeah, yeah. F- full of soot and flames. <laughs> is that, but he says that he's hanging mistletoe as well. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make no. sense. Hey, missile! What is is missile? Is that is that a willy? Is that what it is? Is he hanging willies? Is what, what is, 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 is his penis a, a reef of berries and uh. vines? Now you two are obviously fans of The Godfather. I can tell straight off the bat. Oh yeah, I love The yeah. Godfather. Do you want to know something that will make you really upset about The Godfather? Oh jeez. Were they real hoes? Actually, <laughs> funny enough, the guys would go to the strip club the night before. Oh, fuck me! Not um, hoes, strippers. That's, that's yeah. one step. Strippers. Better. Yeah. Although once or twice. Well, Go on, just get to the point. Anyway, Godfather was involved in a very, very, very short mini feud with the man's man, Stephen Regal. Yeah. Uh, before Stephen Regal obviously disappeared around this time, so the feud never really reached its conclusion. At the start of a match, he did the standard thing Godfather was doing, offered his, his hose to the man himself. And Stephen Regal was like, eh, no, this might be... Uh, this might be something up my alley. So yeah. he takes all the hoes, he's going away, and then he, he changes his mind at the last second, and, and Godfather is tremendously upset, and uh, Regal is walking off, and then Godfather says, England ain't nothing but a place full of fags. And the crowd erupts into rapturous <laughs> applause. So there you go, there's the man who's, um, first of all, used in a very offensive term, uh, and second of all, used it to slander an entire country. Yeah, not just one man, an entire country. Well... It was nice liking The Godfather for as long as I did, but uh, yeah. thanks for doing that on the debut of The Godfather. I'm sure in the podcast. Like a wrap, wrap him up here. Yes, <laughs> now, every episode from now on, whenever we talk about him, that's the man that called our country a bunch of fags. Yep. Yeah. Cheers, Kev. So, Sublime Demander in the ring, they've got the hose. 
D'Lo, Brown and Mark, their opponents, come out, but D'Lo's got PMS. Uh, D'Lo's got uh, Pretty Mean Sisters yeah. coming out with yeah. him. Uh, notice that that will become a recurring thing. Yes, it will. Keep making that mistake. Don't you dare make that joke again, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, PMS have aligned themselves with D'Lo just because. It's also come out as well, Adam, uh, cap- catching up from Capital Carnage, that PMS, uh, Terry Ronalds was lying. She wasn't pregnant. She was just lying. All women, like a woman would. Yeah, yeah, like a typical lying woman like would. A, yeah. Like a woman in the mind of Vince Russo is prone to doing, <laughs> apparently. All women then, basically, in Vince Russo's mind. Jezebels, apparently. So anyway, we start off, D'Lo Brown, Val Venus, great action between these two. Uh, we always, these guys are cut a great pace, always. Yeah. Really snappy, fast action to, to get us going. Uh, Godfather gets tagged in, and immediately Michael Cole makes the first weird call of the night, of which there are many, when he declares the Godfather is an expert in the martial arts. The martial arts. Now, we did mention before he had a little bit of fighting background. Mm. When you use the phrase, he's an expert in the martial arts, you're automatically assuming he's some sort of karate guy. Yeah, you know, goes you don't, against his gimmick a little bit. You don't think a guy who makes motions of rolling up a blunt when he's coming out to the ring, you yeah. don't think that when you think expert in martial arts. <laughs> but uh, D'Lo Brand's got a lot of heat with the crowd. A lot of D'Lo sucks chance. Yeah. yeah, and he looks proper sad. Yeah, he looks like he's going to cry. All offended. It's brilliant. Because uh, he knows he doesn't suck. We know he doesn't suck we as well. D'Lo's brilliant. D'Lo, has... if you're listening, you don't suck, mate. You're proper brilliant. i tell you what's really sad, though, is just watching this and knowing that D'Lo is slipping further and further down the card. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to break through, it seems. Not looking good, is it? It's, not, it's, it's kind of upsetting. The people really don't react for the Godfather's offense, and this is a classic problem you get a lot now in the Attitude Era, where you got a guy where the gimmick is amazing, in the sense of the Godfather. Everyone is singing along every word, they all know all yeah. his catchphrases, blah, blah, blah. But his offense isn't over, and his his work isn't over in the ring. So when the Godfather is you know going to town, people are just kind of which is weird because talk about hoes again. I don't think Godfather is doing anything wrong, but I, I mean, no. like, so how is he meant to get these moves over in the ring if the fans just don't buy into it? Like, what's wrong with them? They're why, they're why a weird a weird crowd, honestly, throughout the whole night. Oh, very weird. Yeah. Oh, they do perk up quite a bit though when we get some alterations between PMS and the hoes. I can't believe I just said yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, I, fucking got, attitude era. I've got a degree. Uh, <laughs> there's a big brouhaha distraction Jackie comes in and she pants Val Venus she takes off his jocks right now that was it was a pretty vicious uh, assault on the man there she stiffs him with a punch yeah like I, I replayed it a few times she fucking cold cocks that guy she yeah. literally punched the fucking daylight saying <laughs> poor Val and as if his dignity wasn't already ruined enough did you guys notice a, a sign in the crowd about Val Venus oh no just big like there was a really well made sign like big glamorous letters almost like graffiti or something just said Val Venus has no balls fuck Aww. me I'm sure he does he's got loads of course he's got balls he he's had got a, loads of balls he had a vasectomy as we <laughs> but he still got I don't think she knows what a vasectomy is I don't think anyone in the WWF knows what a vasectomy is I, I think she just thought it was a statement of fact like you know uh, another sign there was one that said know your role but there was a big massive willy in the middle of it oh Jesus and there was a small dotted line emanating from I wonder what that was uh, it was come, actually a willy come Coming, I would imagine, in small black dots, as come does tend to come out. If you've got the time, draw the line. Mark Henry then runs in, does a big splash on the knocked out uh, Val Venus. It was the most awkward splash ever. He jumps up and lands down. It's like... Yeah, yeah, he just tries to uh, cushion the blow as much as possible. Like a fat kid diving into the pool. He's like, spring break! But he's like, oh, I don't want... You know, unsure of himself. So Mark Henry and D'Lo win. It seems there's like a glass ceiling in the tag division where there's... 
dozens of tag teams, but you know they're never going to be serious contenders for yeah, the belt. I can't see either of these guys getting belts. And do you think it maybe was? It was because that, you know, Austin and Undertaker and Kane and Mankind held the belts all over summer. And now we're yeah. meant to expect teams like this that seem really random. If you put the tag belts on main on a main event as like that, it's going to kind of make these guys look a little bit uh, poor by comparison. Yeah. We get a recap of Mick Foley jumping the rock on Sunday Night Heat while he was being interviewed in the Skybox, kind of preempting their... Uh, empty arena match that they have at half time yeah. heat ooh we might review that The Rock is injured and the story going into this is he can't wrestle and if, he, if he's unable to compete Mick Foley will be rewarded the title via forfeit because yeah. of a contractual loophole Vince Russo writing 101 there yep just contractual loopholes no one has to really look into it or look into any sort of law documents just we, take that word for it we, uh, we see the doctor telling The Rock that he is not fit and I've never seen a more terrifying looking doctor. He looks like the leader of a cult with his, oh, with dude, his orange yeah. shirt and yeah. his weird ponytail. He came out during the um, Hell in a Cell match, if you remember as well, the dude with the ponytail. He looks fucking scary as shit. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't look like an unintimidating doctor at all. I mean, he probably caused injuries as opposed to healing them. But but anyway, I like the idea of Vince Russo, you know, the contract. It's like, you imagine in kayfabe, Mick Foley and his agent or, you know, a lawyer or whatever, going through the contract and kind of going, you know what? I just want to have some incidentals. Like, (laughs) say I'm having a title match and say my opponent is injured. I'd like for him to not have to forfeit. Let's cover that. Let's definitely cover that. It's it's so strange. It's it's hard to to, to buy. But But anyway, your average fan... No one's going to really care. You, just, you take their word for it. It's wrestling, isn't it? Exactly. No one's realism. Once you mention contract, you're like, well, I'll leave that to the adults. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll take their word for it. Headbangers taking on the oddities. Fuck me. This will be the worst match of the night, is what I said aloud as soon as I uh, heard what the match was. Sat there talking to yourself yeah. out of misery. <laughs> Clairvoyant Keeble over here. Would you believe there was an honest-to-goodness feud going into this match? No. As if. Yeah. Oh, you know, is, the, is this the whole defrocking thing? Yes. They keep saying the word defrocking about 50 times on commentary. Yeah, right. First of all, Luna's had her hair cut. That's not defrocking de- would imply that they took her her pajamas or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they cut her hair. They cut her hair. It's not frock. It's hair. It's, I mean, actually... it's only Michael Cole that keeps mentioning it. So again, I put it down to him. Really. Okay. Story going into this. Oddities were paired up with the insane clown posse. Yeah. Insane clown posse turned on the oddities and joined up with the evil headbangers. Smashed boombox over their heads. Cut off Luna's hair. It was really like distressing to see the foot loving oddities get their shit knocked out of them. Mm. This is the big pay-per-view match coming up now off of this. Insane Clown Posse, not signed to appear. So as they're coming <laughs> yeah. out, Michael Cole just goes, they've kicked those guys to the curb. Yeah. So wait, they, they turned heel and bed up the oddities and got rid of the guys that instigated the whole thing. The guys who actually did the villainous act, i.e. cutting off her hair, yeah. aren't here to be seen. And the guys who've been wronged by these evil people come out to their music and give them a royalty check, assumedly. For coming. They come out to the Insane Clown Posse music still. If Fred Durst did a run-in on The Undertaker, you better believe he wouldn't be coming out to know Roland. He'd be coming out to, you darn it now. You know, he, he wouldn't have taken that. This, this this literally shows how much more attention you were paying than me because you know headbangers and oddities I was just sat there like I turned off <laughs> lights are on but no one's home kind of thing I, I, did, I was uh, trying to watch it but I really couldn't Jim Johnson running everyone just be coming out to silence for the whole day <laughs> when oddities were in the ring I had what could only be described as a bowel quiver in that I just straight away knew that something really awful was going to happen you know when you kind of think you're going to get sick or something like that yeah, yeah. it's like uh oh Trouble's coming. Well, something awful is about to happen because the headbangers are about to fight the oddities and that's pretty fucking awful in itself. 
And we know it's bad when they opt to put in Kurgan as their first man in the ring. Kurgan yeah. and Golga will be taking care of this. It'll be a nice, yeah. snappy, quick uh, start. You know what again. actually would have been good and would have probably worked because she's skilled enough? If you put in, like, Golga, who's Earthquake, so we know we can wrestle, Golga and Luna. Like, if Luna, like, it is an intergender thing, and yeah, Luna went in there fun, and wrestled actually, with yeah. the guys, because Luna's is, like, fucking amazing, and she yeah. probably would be able to do it. Kurgan, pound for pound, is probably the worst wrestler in the WWF at this time. So slow and clunky and just yeah, fucking gets everything wrong, screws up so many times. How can you be that big and not have, like, any impact to your moves? Or He doesn't seem tall. He's seven foot one. Mm. Do you think he's that tall in your mind? No. Because, yeah, because he's always fallen over... He's never... He doesn't know how to hold himself up, I don't think. He doesn't know how to behave in the ring to make himself look like a real wrestler. He just looks like a guy that's like put in the ring. It's little things, because, I mean, you know, look at Kevin Nash or, or Big Show or whatever. Say what you will about their, you know, wrestling ability, but they know how to come across as being tall guys. They won't leave their feet for the first five minutes of the match, mm. whereas Kurgan's just fallen all over the place. It's really, really, really bad. He pulls up his pants as well. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a Mark Mirror moment. And a going tribute on there. To, to Mark Mirror could only be seen. God rest um, his soul. Jerry Lawler at one point says he's going to scare some little children later on. Yep. Yes, he does say that. He says he's going to take a picture of Kurgan and then scare some little children later on. <laughs> please don't make the joke that you're possibly thinking of making, Kevin. I'm just saying. No, please just don't go into it any further than that. I mean, really, I Kevin, mean... Kevin, please, just reel it back in again. I can see you tempted. Don't go there. You know, it's not as if Jimmy Snook is ever going to go, oh, you know, it's going to kill someone later on. You know, you don't joke about the thing you're accused of. If you get away with it, that's fine, but you got to keep a lid on it. There's such a thing as keeping your cool, you know? In, uh, in my opinion, there are two good things about this match. It ended being um, one of them? Well, no, uh, Luna's coat. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, like, looks amazing. I like Luna's coat, and uh, the one thing I said I didn't when I say I like it, it's not because it's something good. It's something that made me laugh. Is uh, Michael Cole trying to sort of show how hip he is um, with the uh, the crowd at home by saying, and uh, Luna's running around there with her uh, Cartman doll. Oh yes, Cartman, Cartman, <laughs> Cartman. Cartman. <laughs> Cartman is my favourite Southern Park character. <laughs> <laughs> Trying too hard there. Yep. Golga is quite a weird character. They go on about how Golga's meant to have the mind of a 12-year-old. And I can't help but feel this is a character that was perhaps given a very interesting abstract, so to speak, while they were meeting and discussing the creative guys coming up with this, and it was never fleshed out. Because no. you can yeah. imagine someone kind of going, all right, you're going to be this weird character who's obsessed with Cartman, and you have the mind of a 12-year-old, but you know you don't know your own strength. That actually sounds like it's something interesting that they could have pursued. Yeah, It has been done before, though, hasn't it? The big, strong, simple turn that doesn't quite realise Yeah, Festus, power. obviously, is, yeah. You know, from Jesse and Festus, obviously went on to do that. But it just seems like, I don't know, like Earthquake is a very good wrestler. You just you don't get really see it. a huge him. pop. Because he, he, he actually plays to the crowd. Yeah. You know, Kurgan just like does this weird thing where he starts vibrating in the ring and expects <laughs> to get, you know. But Gold comes in, you know, he does a splash, he slaps his belly. He, mm. he knows how, at least how to, a bit of psychology. Yeah, gets his nipples out. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's was, nice that was something to uh, enjoy. Golga goes for the earthquake finisher. And as he's running across the ropes, Mosh had tied himself in. It seems like it's meant to be a cross body, but it literally is. He just kind of, appears in front of him and they'll both kind of fall over yeah. it's the worst aerial manoeuvre I've ever seen headbangers win absolutely awful match like really pitiful. poor pitiful definitely backstage Briscoe and Patterson tend to Vince McMahon saying that they're gonna 
take care of some business. We don't know what it is yet. More on that. It was later. a very, very non-segment, wasn't it? It's just like mm. nothing. You a lot of these like, tonight, actually. Yeah, it's like five or six seconds of Vince talking to the Stooges, Michael Cole going, "Well, we'll uh, find out more about that later on, I'm sure." And that was it. Just All I can remember again. is uh, Briscoe just saying, uh, "Can I get you some coffee?" Over and over again. Master Mac, my. <laughs> Do you think it is? Is that I don't know when you don't have Jim Ross to kind of narrate you between these little bits. They do kind of stand out quite a bit. They do, but I'm, what I'm saying is, even if Jim Ross was there, that just seemed like they cut backstage for 10 seconds and nothing happened. We mm. just saw Vince talking to someone. And that's a continuing thing throughout the night. Yeah. Oh boy, this one I was really looking forward yeah. to. Yeah. A returning Owen Hart taking on, and also returning, Steve Blackman. Steve Blackman, who came back recently from his injury from the Brawl for All. Owen Hart, who's come back from his fake retirement. Yeah, can you explain this to us? This is good. This is awesome. This is one of my favourite Owen Hart stories ever, and it goes on for quite a while. We're in the midst of it now. So Dan Severn and Owen Hart were on the outs after SummerSlam, being that, you know, Dan was trying to get Owen to beat Shamrock, and he couldn't in, do yeah, it. in the Lions, Dan. So they end up having a match on Raw. In the match, Owen Hart goes for a pile driver or whatever, injures Dan Severn's neck. Oh, no. They do a pile driver injury storyline. Uh, Dan Severn with Owen Hart with no Owen Hart. oh yeah yeah. Mm. this is you know this is yeah, as we said before these stories yeah. go on about oh Owen knows about breaking necks yeah. he broke someone's neck ha <laughs> um, so Dan Severn comes out full neck brace all this thing and he's like Owen you broke my neck you, you SOB you know I'm gonna get you Owen comes out just wearing his civilian clothes and he's like I can't. I can't do this anymore. I keep injuring people. I can't. I can't do it. Like you know, what's what's gone? It's Jesus. really really dark. And he's yeah. like, "You're not going to see me around anymore." You know, you people don't like me. It doesn't matter. I I can't keep hurting people. And it's just really Fuck solemn. Hell. Really solemn. It disappears. Now a couple of weeks later, the Blue Blazer starts. <laughs> now people always rag on with the Blue Blazer and saying it was punishment for own blah 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 and all this kind of stuff. Like it's the worst angle ever. It's entertaining as fuck in my opinion because you've got the juxtaposition of Owen Hart being the most like so serious and sincere, saying I broke a man's neck. So, so he's running around covered in tinsel, going woo, and it's clearly Owen Hart, but he denies up and down that he's the uh, he's the Blue Blazer. Brilliant. Now he keeps attacking Steve Blackman at this time. And Blackman is just like, son of a bitch, it's clearly own heart. <laughs> Try as he might, Blackman can't prove the man that it's actually him. Like, Owen will come out and then there's some random dude with a completely different body shape. He's dressed up as the blue blazer. He's like, what are you talking about? You know. Should have gotten to do a lie detector test like uh, Vince McMahon did with uh, <laughs> Mr. America. On yeah. Smackdown. I hate you, Hogan! So basically, the, the, the crux of it comes in is that, like, own heart is, like, is so frustrated by all these accusations that he's returning to the ring and breaking his retirement in order to uh, prove Blackman wrong that he's right, not the okay. Blue Blazer. So you got like the build up to this, and like Owen Hart has has him in the uh, was the Dragon Sleeper, and he's like, "I'm not the Blue Blazer! I'm not the Blue Blazer!" <laughs> so weird, it's madness. Only Owen Hart can make it work because I just love Owen is so f- just naturally funny. Yeah, and it just makes this this he goes on. He seems to be enjoying ages. himself as well doing it. it. Comes out here, of course. We're in Canada. Once again. Yeah, he gets an enormous pop. Enough is enough, and it's time for a change! The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first, Explosion, yeah. And they're you know, Blackman gets booed, so they're smart enough off the bat to for the most of the match they're working anyway. 
to kind of play into that and kind of play up own being the hero and Blackman doesn't try and get the fans to cheer. So him, Blackman is meant to, meant to be the heel then. Well, yeah, it's just in in the storyline he is the face, but because they're in Canada, they just kind of work through right, it. Right. Okay. And like, Blackman yeah. just carries along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. you know, that's smart. Because you know the worst thing ever is when a guy's been booed out of the building because he's he's American or he's Canadian or whatever, and then he's like, "Hey, let's do it, guys." Doesn't go with it. Yeah. You know that that that's good. We get a sign as Owen Hart enters. It's a variation on uh, Austin 316. Stoned 24-7. Jesus. Thank you, Canada. That's uh, (laughs) up there with, was it uh, it Austin 420? Brilliant. That was a great one we had as well, yeah. Absolutely awful. So, uh, Owen Hart comes out as well to my favourite version of his theme ever. Uh, absolutely love that. Oh, yeah. Fucking brilliant. It's my, my character's theme on WF Warzone back in the day. So, Blackman is in there with Owen Hart and straight away... You know you're in for a treat. Yeah. Amazing mat wrestling. Straight away. Quick back and forth. Both guys getting the edge. Blackman's strikes are like... It's weird. His strikes look really good, but unlike, say, X-Pac or Ken Shamrock or Rob Van Dam or anyone else who ever does spin kicks, they never seem like they're killing the guy. Because anytime X-Pac yeah. does a yeah. spin kick, he looks like he's about to concuss he's someone. He's got a lot more control over it by the look of it, I'd say. He's, his strikes look vicious, though. He's doing all these chops and whatnot. The bow and arrow lock, did you guys see that? You know, where he... He pulls own kind oh, of yeah. on his knees and then leans back. Yeah, that's an awesome move. Beautiful move. Get an amazing uh, clothesline onto the corner. on the ramp. The yeah, noise, hideous. Yeah, the noise of uh, Owen's head hitting the floor. Yeah, so loud. I mean, yeah, we just it's it's non-stop amazing spots in this. Like own, there's like a big atomic drop into a spin kick, and it was during this I was kind of realizing it's like own never had like oh you've got to see his blank. You know, he never had like one kind of unique standout move that was kind of like, you know, like a top rope hurricane rider or anything like that. Mm. He did what seemed like basic moves, but he did them so well. With such high quality. Like an enziguri with anyone else is just it's just a random move, but mm. Owen Hart made an enziguri like seem like the most devastating yeah. move ever. Ditto with an atomic drop and also with his spin kick that he did. He's just like... I'd say the awesome. same goes for Blackman as well because the moves he's pulling off, there's an amazing snap suplex from Blackman. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. just, I, was, I, was, I thought it was like, wow, when I saw it. Blackman is Blackman is really capable. I don't think... I mean, he's, he's had a couple of Snorefest matches, but I don't think it's ever been his fault so to speak I think earlier in the podcast no no I just think he hasn't had the right chance to prove himself yeah. early in previous episodes well he's definitely getting it here one, uh, one horrible bit of commentary we're noticing that Jerry Lawler now that he hasn't got the kind of the more strict Jim Ross to reel him in his mind tends to wander a little bit in some mm. of these instances he starts going on about Owen Hart's parents as Jerry always bloody does oh, yeah. he says the Hearts have something like 40, 50, 70 kids at least they talk to their kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of commentary again, this is where I notice my biggest problem with Michael Cole here is that um, but there's one part where Owen starts removing the corner of the turnbuckle, yes. if I remember rightly. And, you know, um, King's saying like, oh, this is ingenious. This is brilliant. You've got to do what you got to do to win the match. And then Blackman throws <laughs> Owen Hart into the corner and, you know, Owen gets hit. And he's going, oh, that cheat, that no good Blackman, he's cheating. And then Michael Cole goes, but you just said a minute ago that it was fine. <laughs> And you, <laughs> as much as we talk about Jerry the King Lawler's inconsistencies, you can't point it out on no, air. You make him look like such an idiot. No, he's he, first of all, he's a heel, and he's doing that. I mean, just to, to get heel heat for yeah, himself. Yeah, be a heel. It's not as if you have Michael Cole sitting in the libraries of Congress going, Mr. Mr. Ventura, I've been reading over the transcripts of these pay-per-views and there's some marked inconsistencies <laughs> with what you've been saying. You know, it's... It, Cole can't call him out on it. It's wrong. Yeah. If the only person who could call him out it would be someone like Jim Ross exactly yeah. yeah but he'd do it in a way that wouldn't belittle J- uh, King Lawler so much we like. get a, uh, another sign kayfabe versus the marks 
which I uh, I noticed. Wow, for for late nineties, that's kind of a, a bit uh, of an internet thing to say. Yeah, yeah very interesting. You know, yeah. it's kayfabe marks. It's basically a West Side Story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone clicking along. The marks gang not really know why they're clicking, but they enjoy it anyway. <laughs> the kayfabe. <laughs> I'm gonna go on. <laughs> Someone write that musical. So we get Own Heart getting put in the sharpshooter by Blackman. And the crowd is like, no, please, not yeah, like this. not this way. Really emotional spot. Owen makes it to the ropes. And you think, thank fucking God, because there'd be nothing worse than Owen Hart's tapping to the sharpshooter in, in Canada. In Canada, yeah. And then Owen just leaves. Yeah. I think that's almost as bad as an ending. I really... And that's it. Yeah, Can't that's it. Can't finish. Is he actually hurt, or is it just... No, 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 just, no, he just walks off. That's just a written ending. Being a heel. Just being a heel. They were trying to play up the whole thing that Owen, because he'd been retired for a few months, was like was rusty Re-rust, or whatever. Yeah. But it, it, it seemed like for such a hot match, it just... In Canada as like well. a bit of a waste. It deserved a proper finish, because that was a great match, but that ending was... You could have still had Blackman win, but still do it in a more... You know, oh, a yeah, way that the crowd will still But like. I suppose, even though they're in Canada, the more important thing here is to keep Owen being a heel, and this is probably one of the best ways to make yeah, him still exactly. a heel. It should just be the coward that walks away, and he wouldn't even give his home country a decent ending to a match. So. Yeah. That being said, I'm not the. I, I've never really been the kind of. Of the opinion that like if I not, if I not happy with the the booking of a finish I'll disregard a match because this match was fucking oh yeah a great match great regardless absolutely brilliant and I would I would hazard a guess say it's it's easy Steve Blackman's one of his best matches ever just like as in a regular no gimmick type oh, matches yeah? yeah well he has some great hardcore matches oh, down yeah. the line but I think as a straight up one on one wrestling match this is probably Steve Blackman's uh, best uh, effort backstage Vince McMahon is looking for the micker. And then he comes across a sign saying Mankind's Office and it's the boiler room and Mick is just sitting it's in brilliant. there going, go and step into He's my adorable, office. isn't he? Sat there in his little boiler room and he's calling his office. Yeah, I mean, you, just, you hear Vince knocking on the door and he says, oh, you can come in, Dad. So again, <laughs> just laying, at that, laying on the sympathy Every time tick. he calls Vince Dad, my heart just goes... Yeah, it's <laughs> same, same with me. It's it's quite amazing that the the corporation, while Austin has been in, basically is is fixed up with uh, Undertaker and kind of that's the feud going on there. The corporation has really been spending its time and money, uh, basically trying to make mankind's life a, a living hell. Yeah. Mm. They've basically beaten them in every conceivable manner. They've screwed them over. A boss man took the hardcore belt off yeah. them. But I think all of that, like he still like has this weird thing with McMahon calling him dad. It's just kind of it's it's quite funny. But mankind is so crazy over now with the fans yeah. thank god finally it's, it's for like to be like in one of the top positions and to have such a weird ass character mm. that's pretty awesome you know yeah. that like they're, they're people bought it that shows you how talented and funny I, he was that's why you can see I guess it took so long because we, we've been saying for ages that, oh you know Mankind deserved to be a main event for much longer than this but you can understand why they'd have a hard time putting their money into Mankind because it's such a risky like unusual character that's mm. never been done before you can't guarantee it's going to work but yeah it, it's coming up trumps here definitely alright time for six man tag action the J-O-B the job squad going to do the J-O-B on the P-P-V taking on the Brood Brood come through the fire already seriously still it's not like, a good when, when does this start I also, mean I still haven't seen the fire I know oh, it is yeah. good you will see it eventually it's eventually but, um, wow. but also this is our uh, fourth match mm. we've had this is our third tag team match as well yeah. does anyone else not think this uh, pay-per-view is a little bit tag team heavy I mean it's okay having several tag matches, but we've only had one single so far and three tag matches now. I suppose if the show is like kind of anchored by some big time one-on-one matches, it's okay. Yeah. 
Well, you, I know. Uh, well, just, well, as as The Rock said at, um, said at the start of the uh, the pay per view, this is all about him um, and <laughs> and what, and hence all the tag teams because you know that tag teams have been such an important part of The Rock's life. The Rock says, "Put a six man tag with these <laughs> with these three jabronis and those three jabronis." <laughs> You could, I suppose the, 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 the sheer quantity of tag matches shows you one thing Vince Russo loved at the time, and he's very much at the hands around the steering wheel at this period now. He loves guys ha- having groups, if you know mm. what I mean. We've got the Jobs Club, we've got the Brood, we've got PMS. There's loads of like mini factions. Well, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Well, you end I, up getting a lot of, of yeah, tag know, matches, basically. You get the... that, but I don't think there's necessarily uh, something wrong with having stables and teams. Well, do you reckon and... his mentality was, the more factions I have, the more runnings I can do, because I'll have more people coming out to back up their buddies and stuff? Well, Possibly, in fairness, I don't know. the nicest possible way of putting it, what are you going to do with, with Scorpio, Bob Holly, Blue Meanie, Dwayne Gill? I mean, these are guys, if they're they on their own... singles feeds, can't yeah, they? Yeah, but you put them in a, in a kind of a thinly failed group, like the yeah. Job Squad, all of a sudden they have an excuse to appear, and all of a sudden... Five guys are on TV as opposed to one guy. Mm. And more guys get paid. Hey, that's, everyone's, you know, a winner, everyone's a winner, I suppose. The main feud going in here to this is that Dwayne Gill has stolen the light heavyweight belt from Christian, thereby basically retiring the belt. We will not see it <laughs> defended in any capacity until around 2000. So. Fuck you, Vince. So yeah, I know. That was something which was nice at the start. We were thinking, oh, I might get some yeah. action that. No, it's come a long way from Taka. And, uh, the fact uh, that they do it with Dwayne Gill as well, that's just Vince like really slapping the light heavyweight fans in the face. But oddly, Dwayne Gill is not here and Blue Meanie who also helped Dwayne Gill uh, you know retain the title at one point he is also not here yeah. um, they have appeared on Heat but you think these guys you know are feuding with them you think they would have appeared on the main yeah. show but whatever crowd is pretty much dead from the get go mm. um, I don't think the brood the brood are interesting the brood are pretty cool but they have nothing in the shape of Heat they're not they're not. They're intriguing guys. they're yeah, intriguing but that, is. that doesn't make a crowd cheer for you yeah. on offense also something that made me sad is that we've officially said goodbye to Bob Holly's luscious hair yes he's finally shaved it off now for the hardcore holly hairdo it's uh slowly he's morphing into hardcore but uh I, how do you like me now <laughs> i can't help but tell you one thing i i really love hardcore holly he's an awesome character i'm looking forward to in the coming months he comes out you mm. know to the forefront i think i can safely say if that's the last remnants of the nwa invasion bob holly's luscious locks i'm <laughs> happy to see him see you gang you know that's i'm fine with that genuinely at first when he came out i thought he was jeff jarrett why is jeff jarrett yeah. with the job squad <laughs> it's interesting that are they like no one like all the guys with goofy long hair the kind of mid-90s stuff they're basically modernizing all of them now yeah. more or less it's kind of I think the the nail in the coffin for this match is when they do the six men all enter the ring at one time spot, which you tend to do with these, and it's like, oh, it's breaking down, it's anarchy. Not a sound from the crowd. Nah. Although that being said, towards the end, Scorpio hits. I'm trying to... There could be a proper term for it out there, but what I described it was was a 450 somersault leg drop moonsault? Question mark? It looked like such a big yeah. shit mix of different moves thrown into one. It was insane it was how he landed dive. like yeah. that. Scorpio's good. He's real good. He's good at doing that, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, he's that's just crazy unique. Like, um, I did think we had the grunt of the night in this match, but I changed my decision. But I'll tell you this one anyway, because it's a nice little bonus grunt. Okay. So you're getting this one for free. Um, <laughs> 48 minutes and 58 seconds into the pay-per-view, Al Snow clotheslines Christian, and when he does it, he lets out a little giggly clown laugh and goes, Yippee! Sorry, was he doing a triple jump in Mario 64? <laughs> Christian hits what is referred to as 
that maneuver, which is the uh, <laughs> Michael Cole putting him over right there. That maneuver, not an incredible maneuver, just that, that, maneuver. that maneuver. What a preposition! Did, That's how the match he, ends as well. He, he done a thing. Well, certainly, <laughs> two men have moved in that ring. I should say as well, Edge doing his uh, big, massive dive to the outside right before the end was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah it was big, good. big dive. Edge for such a tall dude, he can move about. Yeah, you know, it was only noticed when uh, you know Edge kind of moved into the main event. He kind of dropped the. Uh, high-flying uh, mm. artillery. Much like, you know, guys like Randy Orton as well, they start off and it's like, whoa, they can do a dropkick from the top rope. It's like, if you're actually going to make money in the in the business yeah. or whatever, they're kind of like, hey, not going to see that no more. <laughs> Stop that. Like, Good match. I don't think anyone got a chance. What? Well, sorry, not a good match. Bad match. I don't think anyone had a chance for you to shine and it was over too quickly before anything could kind of get going. Yeah. There was um, really nothing much going on there, to be honest. With you. And also, I've, I know I've already said it, but I'm just burned out on tag team matches. Like three out of four. I also think um, Al Snow is kind of you know we were talking about how crazy popular he is. Mm. If anything, I think the Job Squad is actually holding Al back. Yeah, probably. In yeah. The fact that Definitely. Al is sharing the spotlight. I mean, I like Scorpio, I like Bob Holly, but they've got no characters whatsoever. They're yeah. just guys in shirts, and it's really diluting Al's kind of popularity here. I think. So. Yeah. No, he could have been doing something by himself. That's yeah. ten times better than they this. move. They disband or kind of go their separate ways shortly thereafter but the t-shirts will last a lifetime yeah we had a, a, a had a cut to mcmahon and um mankind talking backstage in the boiler room again that is just it was only like a little 20 second thing but uh what really annoyed me about it was cole continually saying what do you think they're talking about over and over again <laughs> so you if can't he, hear them. if he was quiet we'd be able to hear because you could hear them talking slightly you in the shut background. the fuck up michael the two guys are listen. sitting in going should we mic this conversation in case they want to do a backstage then nah I wonder what they're saying. I bet it's interesting. I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what they're saying. <laughs> oh, it's gone now. Bloody oh. hell. They could be literally talking about anything in there. But anyway, we get a recap of Goldust flashing Deborah. Well, folks, last week on Sunday Night Heat, I should say on Raw, Goldust, after making a challenge, came out and flashed Deborah. He flashed her. Look, that is disgusting. You're right. And Jeff Jarrett paid for it after the distraction as D'Lo Brown picked up the victory. Yeah, you know what? That was disgusting, but on the other hand, a little bit later on, look at this! Goldust got the free shot! Goldust, of course, flashing Deborah in the traditional British sense of the word. If you're going to flash someone, do them with a good old-fashioned Mac raincoat. Yeah. Well, that way they've got fair warning, because you see a raincoat, you think, oh, he's going to flash, and then... He's got a raincoat and no socks on. I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Deborah flashed Goldust, but it was like a lame thing. They showed it from the stupid camera angle that you could tell that she was wearing like a... You know, nude yeah, shirt or whatever. Um, it didn't... Striptease match! I found I... this match very confusing. Did I you th- think they were first... going to have a strip-off or something? Literally, I thought this was going to be a male's, male bras and panty, panties match. <laughs> they do that. They've done those before. I've, that's, what I, matches, yeah. that's what I thought this was. Other, other thing I thought, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to have Val Venus in this rather than Jeff Jarrett? Well, no, if they, they, they continued that feud. But the point is, is, is Deborah's is, with Jeff, not with Val. That's the only thing. Yeah. Mm. And that feud is is well and truly. Yeah, we, we've done put and that to bed. now. I love though when Fink announces this, going, "This will be the strip tease match." Everyone in the crowd does a Ken Shamrock and just goes, ah! <laughs> Everyone goes ballistic. What I love again, this is uh, back in the day now of you know Attitude Era. 
They sold the pay-per-view on two things. They sold it on the Buried Alive match and they sold it on the Striptease match. That's what all the... I bet it fucking worked as well. To. And actually, before the actual pay-per-view on the VHS version, they had like an exclusive thing where they're showing them preparing the Buried Alive arena. The WWF will go to any length to satisfy the needs of its fans. But when two superstars engage in a confrontation that knows no boundaries, sometimes a title match isn't enough. Sometimes a striptease match isn't enough. Sometimes it takes a match where the loser is buried alive. And it's a, if you spot it very carefully, it's a deep-voiced Michael Hayes going, Sometimes in the WWF we have to take things up a notch. Sometimes a striptease match isn't enough. So they're discussing the striptease match in the yeah. same breath as Undertaker threatening to take Austin to hell forever. They're on the same level. They're on the same level. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you he's not on the same level apparently Jeff Jarrett is not on the same level uh, because remember we in the um, Capital Carnage we had clips of Vince speaking in um, Oxford in Oxford mm. someone posted a transcript of that on the Facebook page of all the stuff he said and he actually basically said in no uncertain terms that he didn't think Jeff Jarrett was a main yeah. inventor and that they had tried and that it didn't work so Jeff yeah. it's, it's a shame because at SummerSlam Jeff Jarrett was fucking ready I think he was, oh, yeah. he, he he, was he's so getting there now it's and a real he, shame. I do think he's brilliant here. He's much better than... I mean, at the start of the podcast, he was dog shit, but he's way better now, but his look still isn't quite there because he, he looks like a little boy with his beard drawn there's, there's one moment as well during the match where he goes up to Goldust and he's like, got Goldust against the ropes and, and, and he just says, uh, with, with absolutely no emotion, just goes, I told you not to piss me off. <laughs> yep, yep. With absolutely no emotion, not trying to sell it at all that he is pissed off, just... Just a blanket statement. It's, uh, it, just, just I, trying to get his catchphrase over. Yeah, it's, it's a silly catchphrase. I don't, don't I, piss me off. Don't piss me off is fine, but him kind of going, you, know, you shouldn't piss me off. Well, that's being obvious. We're, that's what happens when you piss me in, off. In wrestling, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I told you not to piss me off, and you only bloody did. <laughs> and now what happened now, we had a wrestling match, which you would have had anyway had you not pissed me off. <laughs> oh no, we're doomed to repeat this dreadful dance of life. The, the crowd is like, knows for the first five minutes that the match isn't going to end, so they're almost purposely quiet despite the fact that they're getting pretty decent action in the mm. ring they know it's going to come down to the wire because it's a striptease or whatever Cole again now is just um, he's noticeably poor here he keeps m- garbling up all his words he calls Jeff Jarrett Jerry like four times in this Deborah Jerring Jeff Jarrett on <laughs> I, one more time that. one more time sorry Deborah Jerring Jeff Jarrett on Jerring Jibbly Jobbly Jeff Jarrett went jolting down the Jumsley where is it nearly he's got a mouthful of marbles this goon like really? absolutely oh it's 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 quite poor we get two sleeper holes from Jeff not a peep not a single glargay no. I'm starting to worry he's left the Glargay behind him. I'm starting to think he hasn't got the confidence anymore. Yeah. Once Vince McMahon says you're not... I mean, he, he must... I mean, what's going through Jeff's mind yeah, at the moment? Yeah, if he heard about that, and surely he did hear about that, then he felt so fucking betrayed. You shouldn't talk about one of your workers that way. That's and you wouldn't mind as well. He's a man. He left the WWE in the mid-90s and went to WCW solely because he didn't think he had a chance of meeting that main event level because mm. he thought, oh, they're, never, they're not going to take me seriously comes back with the promises that this is kind of the thing that's going to happen and then already it's like all the time when he was being goofy double j with tennessee lee 
everything they were saying was, if he gets serious or he gets an edge, this guy's going to go places. He gets serious and he gets an edge and he goes further down the cards. Yep. Yeah. Strip tease. No wonder Vader hasn't lost anyway. It's pointless, all this. <laughs> Jim Ross and his rubbish advice. Deborah gets the guitar. So straight away we're thinking, obviously, the guitar is going to come into the uh, into the mix here. Ref gets distracted after the curtain call, so, you know, uh, Goldust doesn't get the pin. We got a really great near fall there. And then Goldust sets up for the Shattered Dreams, yes. which I think... The problem with this move is that it ends in automatic disqualification. Yeah. Which is why you wait till the referee's not looking. But the crowd are like, yay, hit him in the dick. Oh, but wait. <laughs> you, must know as, you must know as well, as a referee, if you turn around and Jeff Jarrett's on the floor holding his dick, something's happened. You've obviously, just heard the crowd go obviously, mental Obviously he can't do anything about it because he has to have seen it, Yeah, is by the rule. Deborah comes in. Gropes Goldust. She literally fondles his ass. It's yeah. really great. And, and he does shower dreams anyway. Yeah. Deborah waits around eight years then and hits him with the guitar. And the ref turns around to count the pin despite the fact that there's bits of guitar everywhere. everywhere. That's rule number one. If you're having a gimmick... Get it out of the ring. Get yeah, it. it shouldn't be something that literally turns into confetti when you hit someone. And also, the referee was literally, and I mean literally, stood right next to him as it happened. And it makes like a big noise as well when she hits him. He turns it. around and he's hitting strings when his hands come down. He does something to go, maybe something... Picking guitar out of his beard. <laughs> a bit in his teeth, like, you know. So, Double J hits the stroke. I don't think it was called at this point, but that's what it is. And he wins the match. And then Je- Michael Coles goes, Jeff Jarrett wins! These fans are upset! Good, got his finger on the pulse there. Yeah. That's how you do play-by-play. Play. Read a room. That, that's yeah. what he's can doing. I just say, after after you repeating everything that Michael Cole has been saying throughout this, can I take back my statement at the start? You can retract this. <laughs> I, would, I, I retract my statement about he's, not minding Michael Cole in this paper. He's shit, but he's subtly shit. Because, I mean, if someone's in a headlock in the middle of a 15-minute match and you're bored out of your mind and you're just kind of fading away a little bit and he calls Jeff Jerry... You might notice it, yeah. but he's, 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 he's... He may be subtly shit, but I mean, the stark contrast between, you know, we were getting some of the best commentary of all time from Jim Ross, yeah. and now we're going straight to this. It's a big, big difference. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a shame that we haven't got Jim Ross, and it'll be WrestleMania main event before we see Jim Ross again Damn. in commentary in any capacity. So we've got to get used to this, then. Yeah. Commissioner HBK comes out. You know, I was thumbing through my WWF rulebook back there, and... It reads in there that if you bring in a foreign object into the ring, such as a guitar... What? Hey, wait a minute, he is the commissioner! That results in a disqualification! What? What? Therefore... The commissioner! Shawn Michaels is disqualified! The winner of this match... Would be Goldust. Shawn Michaels what? has disqualified Jeff Jarrett. What a great commission! Now, now old HBK is taking a lot of shots to the head, and I can barely remember what underwear to put on in the morning. But as I was flipping through the contract, I read a clause in there that said, "If Goldust won, which he has, you therefore." would have to take off your clothes. That's what it says, all right? <laughs> now, Deborah. Oh, camera, quick. Deborah, as much as it pains me to do so, it is time to stop your grinning and drop your linen. 
Look who's back. Yeah. Here he comes. What's he doing here, then? Uh, so he's become the new corporate commissioner. Obviously, Sergeant Slaughter has gone on to pursue his career as a competitive eater. <laughs> <laughs> he has gone on to uh, to go back to the mountains and continue to look like an ogre. But uh, Vince McMahon basically literally just won raw. He's like, Commissioner Slaughter has stepped aside. We have a new commissioner. And now comes Shawn Michaels, who is now evil heel corporate commissioner. Okay. First and foremost, were you surprised to see Shawn Michaels back? Given that, you know... He left under very bizarre injury, druggy circumstances. Yeah, he is he is he still high? He is still yeah, high. Yeah. All right then. Well, I thought, I thought so. <laughs> he's not been in rehab since WrestleMania. If that's what yeah. you're wondering. Um, yeah, it was, I was surprised. I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. Like, oh my god, HBK's back. I was. It was like he looks like shit. HBK's back, but but isn't he a bit daft? Well, <laughs> at the moment, best is like Fox is a thirsty man. So he's, he's a bit daft. He loves Tic Tacs. HVK looks older here than he did, like in the on his return. He looks older here than he did in two thousand two. Oh yeah, you know, he looks definitely. He looks awful. But he anyway, terrible. This is a shame because he's meant to be the big old nasty heel corporate commissioner, you know, meant to be screwing over DX who are embroiled in the feud, obviously with the corporation at the moment. But he just comes out here. This is I don't I don't understand this. Gives the fans what they want. Evil villain comes out and he's cool and groovy, going hey everybody, and he basically he's acting like obviously because he you know the the Deborah interfered. So he's calling it a DQ, reverses the decision. Goldust therefore wins, and Deborah has to strip. And the ch- fans immediately start chanting, Take it off! Take it off! It's really. Yeah. It's, so sleazy. They, they play really weird Rick Rude esque music as Deborah yeah. slowly strips. And uh, here's the best thing about it, because this is, you know, proper attitude era. This is obviously, you know, the, the mindset and thoughts of, of modern women. She starts off, she doesn't want to do it. But then, of course, she likes it. Cause, she's smiling. Yeah, because well, that's obviously is, how it works. Maybe if you stop being such a stuck-up prude, then you just, you know, maybe just become a whore. Yeah. Beco- become a whore. Be a whore. Be a slut. Come on. Girls, please. Yeah, take, you'll, you'll actually like it. You know, oh. <laughs> And then yeah, she might it, like it because uh, HBK takes some money out and puts it in her tits. So then, fucking disgusting. And then in an awkward moment, she slowly takes it out and gives, gives it, it back. back. <laughs> so sleazy. What I don't really. get about this is if he's a representative of the corporation, yeah. surely he wouldn't want her to strip. Because no, we've he had wouldn't. it in past pay-per-views. That the corporation are conservative. That conservative. Like yeah. Sable wasn't allowed to do the bikini Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does this make sense? Because Shawn Michaels, ha- you know, it's just like because tits. because HBK and Canada and tits basically, yeah. yeah. Oh, I right. think maybe it was at some last ditch attempt to have them, you know, build up HBK. He did screw over Bret Hart. He stole your hero's dream, but he bought you boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, out of all the segments so far in in the show, uh, you know, because we, we knew we we're going to be veering down the rocky road of sexist WWF or whatever. Mm. This one I find was was particularly hard to watch mainly yeah. because it was the whole man forcing a woman to strip and then like ah and you like it you know it's yeah. just it's, no, this such is really a, so degrading this it's is the worst thing awful. I've seen so far yeah and people complain about the women's division now but dear god at least they're somewhat plausible you know at least uh, they're not treated like dogs yeah, yeah this is just uh, absolutely horrible Double J backstage is incredibly upset <laughs> And and as, like, he's bright red looking at a monitor going <laughs> the whole thing now that the few, this is how the thing goes forward is that she's now an exhibitionist and Jeff is the jealous uh, 
is, is the jealous uh, That's really keeper. the angle it takes. That's the angle. This is Jeff. Jesus. This is Jeff for the next while now. This is what he's going to be doing. Poor guy. And she goes to take off her bra, and she's properly adoring at this stage, and then Cole says, possibly the dorkiest thing that has ever been said in the, in the midst of a woman taking off her bra, you go, girlfriend. Did he really say that? You go, girlfriend. You go, girlfriend. Speaking soundbite to Michael Cole. That's good. <laughs> It'll be on a t-shirt by the end of the week. Jesus Christ, we've got months of this left, haven't we? Yep. He, I think he improves about this. Is, I mean, this is short notice. You can argue, blah, 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 of yeah. course. Uh, Blue Blazer comes out and stops the strip. He's going any further. And basically now it's like Jarrett and, and the Blue Blazer own heart are basically kind of teaming up now. What's an odd of, team. An odd so team. very odd. Very odd. And, you know, it, it gets a bit stranger from here. Tag titles are on the line. Another tag match. But it's for the tag titles. Yeah. New Age Outlaws taking on Team Boss Rock. It's the corp. <laughs> I love you, Boss Hawk. <laughs> Boss Rock. I, uh, I, I gave him a little name as I called them Sham Man. Sham, Sham Man. Man. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm a Sham Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you're doing Scam Man John. I thought you were doing Ass Man. <laughs> <laughs> New Age Outlaws. Bossman and Shamrock, who are the evil corporate team. Evil corporate team coming out with the man who brought you boobs not three minutes ago. What is going on? Boo this hero. <laughs> Boo this modern man. Come on, you know. I'm not saying, all right, if you're going to be gung-ho and make a man come out and force a woman to strip in front of a crowd and make them all happy and sheer, at least don't have him come out five minutes later and expect you to boo him. Yeah. You know, he's it's the opposite of, of not heat. even five minutes. It's been literally two minutes. It's ridiculous. The whole gimmick of the match is that DX are banned from ringside because HBK has got it in for DX. He's saying that I invented DX. You're just a knockoff. This group, interesting angle. Mm. But because HBK can't get in the ring, I don't know if there's ever anything much could come of it. He seems pretty inconsequential for most of this match, to be honest with you. Yeah, pretty decent action to start off. Yeah, although. I found it difficult to watch the match after I realised that Mr. Billy Keeble, your um, analysis of every New Age Outlaws match is absolutely spot on correct. Yeah, I have written very little. I've, ri- I've written two signs, which I'll talk about in a minute. I've written nothing about the actual match because just for me, it was more of the same, and I, I can't say anything more than I've already said. Here's a bit of a, a bit of a wild one for you. Road Dog gets worked over for yeah, most of the he match. Does. Uh, do you notice this? Something that Bossman's doing now. He beats up Road Dog, puts him down, and he uses a little dance. He does a little little shuffle. We have now come to the grunt of the night. Um, this is actually a triple header. This is a brilliant one. I was Jesus so, Christ. I was pleased with it. Um, it's a little sequence Bossman does. He scoop slams Road Dog, and then he bounces off the ropes and does a splash. Yeah. But the way he does it is he screams while he scoop slams. He screams while Road Dog's on the floor. Then he bounces off the ropes and he screams while he does a splash. He just goes rips it off. Ah! Bossman now up on the floor. In quick succession. Oh my god, that's brilliant. That's we- one hour, 18 minutes in. Someone needs to make a keyboard with all the different octaves. <laughs> so yeah, we got a pretty cool spot where Shamrock pops on the ankle lock literally out of nowhere really early you on. you got to stop saying he pops it on. Pops it on. Someone on Twitter pointed out how it's like the most underwhelming way to describe Ken Shamrock. <laughs> Ken pops on the ankle lock. It's like he's going down to the shop to get some messages. <laughs> or a soft mineral as opposed to putting on a vicious hold. But I liked it, the fact that it was kind of early in the match and kind of showed that, hey, he can pop it on whenever he wants to pop it on. <laughs> yeah. We get the world's worst famouser in this match. Literally, Ken bends over and then Billy Gunn just kind of sits down and they just fall <laughs> over. And, and here's, here's the thing, right? This is the end of 1998. 
the whole year 1998, it's still not called The Famouser. Yeah. It's, That's it's, crazy. It's still yeah. not a proper defined move yet. It's really strange. It's been I mean, months and months and months now. Yeah, it's actually it's going to come to the point, I think, that they all have spent more time as a tag team where it's not been over as a finisher than when it actually is. they eventually is. will, yeah. Bossman just turns and says, kiss my ass to Billy Gunn. And then he gives him the finger. <laughs> it's so real, isn't it? It's like really sort of like, fuck you, buddy. Bossman, you are a man of the law. You surely you know that being naughty is illegal. Particularly in Canada. <laughs> Do you know who the big boss man is? <laughs> He's being naughty is illegal. <laughs> he knocks down the road dog again. And as the road dog falls over and lies motionless on the ring apron... Shawn Michaels goes over and gives him a little kiss. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? So he met his first wife, huh? <laughs> we get a sign. We get two guys running across the uh, the hard camera. Just a sign that just simply says, Breasts. Breasts! Just, just runs across the screen. <laughs> They're holding up above their heads, just running. Other sign we get, Americans are fat, lazy slobs. Jesus! <laughs> Good gosh. No I wasn't that. paying attention to any of the wrestling because I didn't care. Yeah, you so were I, I just looked at those two signs. Billy Gunn is like kind of, he, like, he literally is only tied in for the first few moments of the match then he spends like 15 minutes just on the on the apron John off now and then turns to uh, HBK and goes do you suck <laughs> really loudly <laughs> big big reaction from the crowd for that you know Billy Gunn gets the hot tag and it's kind of nice that in this hot tag Billy Gunn kind of shows off why he's one of the most amazing athletes I think they have does a big high flying dropkick Ken goes for the hurricane around and picks him up into a massive powerbomb it's quite apparent here that they think that Billy Gunn is going to be a main eventer in a few years' time. Because mm. I think that might feed into your... your Because he's, yeah. he's always kept strong in all the matches. He's always made... He never shows any weakness. He never gets no. worked over. I think they think they've got Mr. Main Eventer on their hands here. That might explain some of it. We get some screwiness. HBK interferes a bunch of times. Like, Billy Gunn gets hit with the nightstick. And... HBK interferes a third time by pulling on Billy's leg as he goes for a suplex on Shamrock and he reverses it and he still wins yeah. the man cannot be faulted yeah, he's like undefeatable he's literally like you know your mate who's prickishly good at WWE 13 like <laughs> it's like fuck it can't beat him no matter what I didn't understand the refereeing in this match every time whilst Road Dog was in the ring and Billy Gunn tried to get in the ring to try and yeah. help him out Tim White was in the corner, you yeah, know, having out. a massive go at him. Shamrock and Big Boss Man in are and just out, yeah. in and out, running around. They and can he, do what and they he's, want. And he's watching them do it. <laughs> and doesn't give a shit. I love, there is there is a point in that match to pick up on that point where, you know, the old timey heel thing is, is that, say you want to get into the ring, Billy wants to get into the ring, and then you know, the referee in the corner is like, going, hey, no, no, you can't come in the ring. And then the heels switch over yeah. and one of them just goes like that, mm. you know, to pretend they made the tag noise. And then the referee turns around and kind of goes, oh, you guys in, I heard a tag. Unlike the chair shot or you know, fucking yeah. guitar or whatever. You guys have tied. In this match, they switch over back and forth in front of the referee. And at one point, they switch for the referee. Bossman is just standing there. Tim White looks at him and Bossman just goes... In front Fuck of him. me. Just goes... There you go. Oh, I didn't notice that. And he's like, all right, yeah, we're good here. He made, <laughs> he made the requisite it's noise. The Why match. couldn't he just go back and, and do the tag properly? Don't know. Yeah, how, how, is how hard cl- is it to just is go back and quicker. do it properly? Yeah, also as well, walking over and getting out of the ring and your mate coming in, that's not an unfair advantage. That's just you being dicks. I mean, you save like a millisecond from not tagging him. Yeah. And over there anyway, you're clapping anyway, so you're already wasting... Idiots. Just being... You're being you're being pricks. HBK is so angry at the end of this match, so angry that he tries to take off his tie. And in the, and in the process, proves a long-standing theory I've always had 
which is that Shawn Michaels doesn't know how to tie a tie. Because if you don't know how to tie a tie, and the first thing you do is rip it down like that <laughs> and make into this tiny little dark star of a fucking, you know, the most dense knotted matter ever and continue to try and take it off. That ain't coming undone. Ain't coming undone. Shawn Michaels should be wearing a clip-on. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, he should. He can't, he can't be trusted with a big boy tie. And as the New Age Outlaws are walking away... Another awkward Michael Cole moment. Oh, God. Jerry Lawler is like, ah, they're still tag team champions of the world. You know you know what that's how they say it, Michael Cole. Why don't you say it? Tag team champions. Hey, of the world. Go ahead and say it. I know you want to. Of the world. They're tag champions of the world. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, this robot-like. Oh, he's awful. No wonder the commentary in wrestling games has been so bad for all these years. He's the fucking yeah. cunt they've got in there yeah, recording yeah, it. This is as best as he can it's do. It's all modelled off him. Oh, man. Recap of The Rock turning uh, heel, which is exactly the same one we got in Capital Carnage. The same nonsensical recap, which only it, all it does is it just proves what a silly storyline it was. It doesn't make any sense. So, great job there, yeah, guys. Yeah, just, well just, done. Just shows the, uh, I don't like you, The Rock. But now you are my friend. It's like, yeah. man basically going, hey guys, you know that angle you're really excited about? Turns out it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they've done here. Um, so we've got Mankind taking on The Rock for the WWF Championship. The big question going in is, will The Rock actually compete or will he forfeit the belt to Mankind? Of course he won't. Mankind. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> that was your main event. Like. <laughs> here yeah. you go. You got, you got me. The contract clearly said, you, you won. You were the bigger man. You won by the contract. Next week, Foley's lawyer comes out to a hero's pop. <laughs> <laughs> You want to talk about a Texas-sized ass whooping? <laughs> Legally speaking. <laughs> um, so anyway, Mick Foley comes out. He's now got a drum track to his music. Which yeah, is, uh, it's, it's a little better. Stepping it's, in it's the better, right direction. Yeah, we're getting there. The, uh, the dark blue lighting, though, doesn't fit him. Yeah, catches uh, his contract very well in the blue light. <laughs> also, we know that Mick Foley has not been masturbating when he comes out. You see, I didn't realise that wasn't the contract because it didn't have the giant Mark Miro contract <laughs> yeah. on top of it in like size 72 font. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a proper contract because this has got a staple in the top left hand corner. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, they don't fucking around here. Rock and Vince come out. They're, they're going to have negotiations about this contract. Shane's out with them as well. They all stand back and have a proper goo at the Rock's uh, big rock bottom yeah. uh, thing. What did you think of the stage? It looks kind of cheap. It's cheap, yeah, but I it's... thought it was hilarious because to me it's sort of like, you know, the corporate guys just being dickheads and like, yeah, let's put our main guy on some big flags. And it looks shit. It looks yeah. absolutely brilliant. I kind of wish they just like added layers of musculature and skin onto the Deadly Games skull into the rock's <laughs> actual face so you walk out of the rock's mouth. But I, I'm, it's obviously not intentional, but to me it just makes it funnier because it looks like the corporate guys are trying to put their guy over, but they've done a really shit job. Yeah, because it. it looks kind of like the picture of the really rock. Really, really basic. We made it the night before kind of set. Well, I I like so much about this little exchange now between Vince McMahon and Mankind is that we've seen everything that goes into it is Mankind has been screwed over mm, yeah. of the belt. He should be the champion. And what is the first thing that happens when Vince gets in the ring? Got a hole in your tights there. <laughs> that's, he just points out he's got a hole the in his tights. Him. And then that's it. There's there's no more... Mankind doesn't even make a reference to it, but... There's a lot of talk from the announcers about, you know, people kissing ass, saying that The Rock is kissing ass, but, you know, things are going well from... Jerry Lawler says, you should kiss ass, Michael Cole. You know, kind of the usual, you know, anti-corporate, corporate... Yeah, the yeah. thing is in the pocket of Vince, clearly, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So he says, you should kiss some ass, Michael Cole. And Michael Cole vehemently says, when it's necessary, I will. 
For fuck's sake, you're meant to be a face. What are you talking about? You, you, you wonder how the corporation got over his massive heels. There was no one to stop him on commentary. Yeah. He just laid down and let him have their wicked way with him. Well, King, I don't feel like selling out, but you know, one day, maybe down the road, I will sell out. Who knows? Who am I to say? Every dog has its day. You know? <laughs> Absolutely insane. Uh, so we got a bit of contract talk. I'm going to be more than happy to sign, put a line through this little clause here, the clause that states... If The Rock is unfit to wrestle for any reason, the title becomes all mine. Because there's nothing I'd like to do in Vancouver than to kick The Rock's corporate little ass around. I'm sorry, there is one thing I'd like better than that, and that is redemption. You see, let's travel back in time, Dad, to the Survivor Series when The Rock turned me into the sharpshooter, and lo and behold, the bell was rung. Now, to lose that match, I either had to be pinned or say I quit, and you know damn well The Rock didn't pin me, and you know damn well that mankind would never say I quit. The biggest double cross in WWF history. I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm telling you that I will be glad to put a line through that little clause, but there's something you've got to do for me first, and that is admit to Vancouver and admit to the world that you never heard the words, I quit, from mankind's mouth. Michael Cole refers to Survivor Series 1998 as the biggest double cross in history. You're in Canada, you can't say that, Michael Cole. Survivor Series 1997. He's a year out there, yeah. Is, is, is you know, it's still fresh in these people's minds. Mm, idiot. And it, I, I'd say that the Montreal screw job is miles bigger than... Than that. Yeah, in the fact that it was an actual double cross yeah. as opposed to a made-up double cross. Yeah. Anyway, Foley dwells an awful lot. He says to Vince that he'll waive the contract stipulation if they admit in front of the world that he didn't give up with the rock putting him on the sharpshooter. And also we get a little bit of foreshadowing here coming into the rumble. The Foley saying, I've never said I quit. I never will say I quit. And he's mm. seemingly like just incredibly upset that they would imply that he's he's quit. And Vince won't have anybody. He's like, the rock heard you say it. God damn it. So... Foley ups up the contract and the match is on. We get an asshole chant. The loudest oh, yeah. asshole chant. The last, in the I world. meant what mankind says. It says, uh, mankind's missing an ear, so can you please chant that a little louder? <laughs> Which I explodes. I love that. Considering these two guys are, you know, both relatively fresh in terms of being in the title picture and carrying it, they're both a lot more kind of over with the crowd, and they can think the crowd is kind of buying that it's kind of main event stuff. Yeah, you can tell from the reactions here, just from them talking in the ring. I'm glad the contract stuff ended pretty quickly though, because I was really starting to worry we were getting another similar. Um, I think it was over the edge where Rock got his neck broken. Oh uh, yeah, and it went the on. whole sympathetic heel kind of thing. Like, I mean, they were they were sort of playing up to the fact that Rock might have injured it, injured his ribs. But I'm glad they didn't make such a big deal. I think, yeah, they were kind of making out The Rock was maybe being a bit of a a coward, irrespective of it. Foley and The Rock start off, cut a fucking blistering pace. This is absolutely awesome. Foley actually said in his book that in the Survivor Series match at the start, the two of them actually froze a little bit because it was kind of like, you know, out of the blue. So it kind of started slow to, to an extent. Not here. Absolutely go nuts straight away. Right to the outside. Foley batters The Rock with the stairs. 
Uh, we get lots of shots of Vince looking very concerned at what's going on, which mm. is always nice. Vince gets on the microphone then as The Rock is getting the shit knocked out of him, and he says, Mick, if you break the rules, I want the referee to disqualify you. And Cole is like, he's making up these rules as he goes on. It's a standard match, Cole. Michael Cole, if, if he gets counted down to three, he will lose the match. Oh, oh son of a bitch! <laughs> making it up! What a tangled web Vince weaves. So Mankind attempts an elbow drop on the Spanish announce table, and Shane gets in straight away and kind of stops him. I'm liking the idea now that McMahon's actually just being, you know, The Rock's manager. Yeah, so essentially. They're out for his matches. and He hits the floor so hard. Oh. Rock whips him over his head kind of in a very scary... I mean, you kind of wish he'd hit the table. Yeah. Because yeah. the table would just give him away, but he fully lands right in the bat on the so small of his back. Really, really sore. And some of those bumps as well that doesn't make a very... Spe- it doesn't make a spectacular noise. There's no big clatter. It's just... Unk, right in the ground. Oof. And I think that's, those are the bumps that Foley took too much, which are the ones that are very, very sore looking, but maybe didn't make that big, massive... If you went through a table there, the crowd wouldn't yeah. be chanting, holy shit. No, no, bumps like that aren't worth it, because the crowd, um, they don't explode as much as you'd think they would for a bump that size. It's really, really sore. That's a bump that they do several times in this feud. Mm. Rock dons the headset. Entertaining as fuck here. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love this. What's, what's going on, King Bishop? Tell me. You see this piece of trash right here? I'm smelling what you're cooking, Rock! Watch this, will you really okay. gotta smell this? What do you think of this, Rock? I'm gonna smell! Damn! 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 And millions of the Rocks fans watching live. Puskins at home. Smell what the Rock is cooking. Spit some water on the on mankind. Won't high five Jerry the King. Lover. I love that. How about a high five? What the hell are you talking about? I'll knock you down teeth. <laughs> he knows where that hand's been. Like, yeah. you know? ah. <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. Now this is what I'm interested, in. Billy. You got the Rock here now, who's yeah. obviously he's he's uh, quite the villain, being a prick, blah blah blah. But you have to admit, he's being so entertaining here. Oh, he is. He I is mean, definitely. so could, can you resolve that as kind of like, you know... Have you made peace with The Rock, or...? I, it's, it's strange, we can talk about it now. The Rock is meant to be this big evil heel, but then he's going on the headsets being fucking funny as shit. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that that's like kind of counterintuitive? Some people would say that he should be getting heat old-fashioned, um, he shouldn't I, be. I think he should be getting more heat, because the crowd still absolutely love him. Mm. There's, there's so many... Like, so many pin, near pinfalls here where when The Rock kicks out the crowd go ballistic because yeah. they want yeah. The Rock to win and I think that's purely because he's his character as far as I'm aware hasn't changed from since he's become a heel yeah. but he's done nothing to properly become a heel well, in my, in, in, from yeah, what I see I suppose from my mind I suppose the thing is, is that this, the whole idea of his character is that he's just this like annoyingly like perfect type jock in the fact that he's funny and he's athletic and blah 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 yeah. so that you know it still probably gets under the fans skin to an extent the fact that he is still so fucking entertaining and so he's like god damn it this you know asshole he's got I everything I wish he wasn't so perfect yeah, yeah. It's, it's maybe it's, it's but that being said I think it's just 
this is a part of the attitude there that a lot of old school fans just couldn't resolve is the fact that you've got a guy who's meant to be the big heel who is you know playing to the crowd to an extent and you know I, some I people think that you know a heel should just be you know you know running guys out of town and you know beating them bloody and that's that like but I think you I know, completely disagree because I'd say that whenever the Rock does things like this as a heel like where he puts on the, the headset or whatever and starts mouthing off he's not doing that like his character isn't doing it to entertain the fans his character's doing it because he's an arrogant prick and yeah. he wants to show off that's yeah, all it is true. it's as simple as that yeah, I suppose it'll be um, it'll be interesting. The, the The Rock's run as a heel, which runs from now until around Backlash, it's just interesting to see kind of their attempts to maybe resolve that at times. That The Rock is still kind of want to have his catchphrases, yeah, but it's still meant to be the bad he, guy. He wouldn't be The Rock without it. Exactly. If yeah. you made him stop doing that, he wouldn't be The Rock. It's definitely an anomaly because everyone always talks about cool heels, but I don't think there's anyone who's been a bad guy who's just been as flat out entertaining. you know entertaining yeah. as, as The Rock. It's it's strange. Yeah, I agree. You know, we're getting elements of these matches which we're going to get going forward. A lot of hardcore stuff. DDT onto a chair. Real vicious stuff. Foley taking a lot of clocks in this. Get a corporate elbow attempt and then a big kick out afterwards. The match picks up huge after this, I think. The crowd are electric from this point Mm. onwards because you can tell they all believe Mick Foley's going to win. Like when he starts getting back in with his offense and, you know, doing a pile driver or whatever, people actually do start. Like you can tell there's a a certain atmosphere where everyone's like, this is it, Mick Foley's yeah, finally going to get yeah. it. Yeah. And it's interesting, considering that you might have up until this point maybe written off this crowd as being a bit eh, but I think it was just the fact that this match was just you know head and shoulders above everything else we've seen so far. It's such really. a big storyline match Definitely. as well. So uh, considering his injuries, now this is like Foley has taken so many bumps since King of the Ring, he's, he's been injured quite a bit. The pace he cuts is is incredible. It's unbelievable. It's insane. There's, there's people half his size that have to do more rest holds than him. It's crazy how well he can keep it going. At one point, Foley hits an inverted headbutt to the groin. Vince McMahon up straight away wants to call for the DQ, but Foley cuts him to the chase and pile drives the referee. <laughs> Seems like, you know, the best thing to do in that situation. It's only when he, he's pile driving a little referee you realise how fucking big Foley is. Yeah. He mm. fucking kills this dude. And then uh, McMahon goes to ring the bell and Foley attacks Martin Yaten, the, uh, the, the timekeeper. Yeah. He's thought of all the strategies. It's brilliant. Big ass rock bottom happens in the ring. Shane attempts to hit McFoley with the belt, ends up hitting the rock. Amazing to kick out of here at the two count. You're yeah. starting to buy now. That's one thing for a character to come out and say, oh, he likes pain or you can you know, take any beating or whatever, but you genuinely do buy with Foley during this feud that, shit, what can you do to keep this guy down? How can you beat him? Because he's he's so, he's got tunnel vision, he wants to win so much, you can't stop him. Um, At that two count as well, uh, Vince is seen clutching at his heart. (laughs) His black heart. Um, So then we get double arm DDT, Mr. Socko comes out, massive pop, rockets put into the mandible claw, fades away, crowd goes apeshit. And before the music hits and before Howard Finkel can make the announcement, Vince McMahon pulls off the microphone and he's like, saying that The Rock passed out, didn't submit, was not pinned, and therefore the belt would not change hands. Well, actually, I think the wording he used, and I really like this because it's such perfect foreshadowing, is that he said The Rock never said I quit. Ah. And that's amazing because it's obvious that they've been planning the next match a month in advance now and they do have little bits of foreshadowing like you said with Mick earlier. And it just makes what happens next the most natural conclusion to this little thing. It's very interesting. I, I tried to do a bit of research and I couldn't find anything about it, but I'm convinced people have won... Oh, whatever. It, this isn't about winning a match, it's about winning a belt. Because Foley is said to be the winner of the match, but The Rock keeps the belt. But surely there's been instances of guys passing out you know, with a sleeper or a submission 
Um, yeah, Brad Austin, you also passed out, but there was no there was no belt on the line. Right. Bob Backlund won the title. Uh, Brett passed out once, and just someone threw in a towel for Brett. He well, won via the towel. Won via the towel, but therefore the towel is a sign of submission on yeah. my half of whatever. But then I don't know. It's it's I I don't. It seems like an odd rule, but it I don't does. think it's. I think it's actually legit. Wrestling rules are so fucking hazy. It's, and they're so like, fickle. Yeah. This will be the part of the podcast where I would go, "Hey, if you've any idea about this ever happening, give us a tweet." <laughs> Let's just say I do appreciate the fact the fans out there do think they are telling us something we didn't already know. Hey, Kevin, there was this one match where Own Heart was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore him. He's just a little bitter. <laughs> Foley cleans house in the corporation. Something I always wondered. Corporation, a big stable, load of studs, load of big badasses. Yeah. Let's send out Patterson and Briscoe. <laughs> Let's send out the two men with hip you problems. You send them out first. Yeah, send you them know. out first. They're the front line. That's the big guns. The pawns. Yeah. <laughs> then you said Bossman's more of a Bossman's more of a rook. Really, you're a guy at Helm's Deep. You have to put up the ladders and get shot with arrows. <laughs> no, you've got to set the motion in place. <laughs> so the rock retains. I like the idea here though that Mick really stands his ground it's only like a cheap shot from the boss man that allows them to get away yeah. Foley wins the match looks like a conquering hero but the rock slips away with the belt one thing I did notice is that when Mick's taking down like you know Patterson, Briscoe, McMahon um, he's like giving them all the mandible claw using the sock not very hygienic when you imagine nope. you've seen a sock go into Vince McMahon's mouth and then you're Gerald Briscoe and it's coming towards you you're probably thinking oh Jesus please Christ no you know uh, I, I imagine they flip coins to see who would get it last oh god you know it's when Shane is in the mandible claw his eyes kind of go cry- it's like he's coming or something <laughs> <laughs> He loves it, the naughty boy. Is it? <laughs> the naughty boy. Is it weird that cum has become one of the most recurring themes in the show? Can we not get into cum again? Here we go. A recap of the explosive history between Undertaker and Steve Austin. has never seen. Austin, you're a helpless.
Angels against my ministry. In the ministry of Stone Cold Steve Austin at rock bottom, you can bet your ass that you can expect no mercy. I can take your rotting soul anytime I wish. you to the ministry of darkness what i'm gonna do is pull that foot out of the grave and put it in your ass austin burn in hell not gonna be content till steve austin's career is over buried buried alive match what are they doing to him what the hell are they doing at last stone cold steve austin to that undertaker symbol austin I'm taking you, mind, body, and soul. The only thing left is to bury you alive. Hitting them with shovels, Austin blacking out. Uh, he tried to embalm Stone Cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt that, Kevin, but I just want to get this out of the way. Yeah, they tried right to embalm him. They tried. What? It's wrestling! <laughs> it's wrestling! He blacked out. Now, if your opponent for a buried lie match blacks out, you at least try a little embalming. <laughs> you just see Undertaker stood over him with what well, I can only assume is some sort of embalming spike. Oh no, it's it's like a ceremonial dagger. It's got like Jesus. kind of it's like skull and all this stuff. And yeah, Bear is preparing the instruments, and Undertaker is standing over him going, "Yeah, I just imagine the guys in court going, uh, "Mr. Calloway, can you please tell us why you murdered Mr. Austin? It was a ceremony. <laughs> well, you see, Stone Cold was going to be in the Royal Rumble match, and I wasn't having any of that. <laughs> Kane runs into the embalmery. <laughs> the embalmery. Because I don't know whose side he's on. Well, you know, Bear has got connections in it. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, if you need a little bit of embalming done late at night after a show, he'll you know, lock you up. Like. Yeah. Basically, if Austin wants to qualify for the Royal Rumble, he has to beat the man who attempts to embalm him. I like the match card. The, the match card up. You know, the little pictures yeah, yeah. that you get. Uh, for me, like, I, I, it's probably just me. But as soon as I saw that, I just thought, it's Slayer versus Right Said Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> There's a sentence that's never, ever, ever been said before. I was going to say about the title card, it looked like the shovel was really big because it was like dug into the ground and it was still the handle was taller than both Undertaker and Austin in the title card, but that is a more accurate. Uh, if, if Austin finds out that you called him right, said Fred, he is going to be right miffed. He is too sexy for a shirt though, because he only wears a vest. Shut up! <laughs> he only wears a vest! Undertaker going into this match has promised one thing, which is to take Steve Austin mind, body, and soul. And you know this because the episode of Raw before this ended with uh, Austin crucified on, on Undertaker's symbol, and Undertaker doing this you know, kind of thing where his eyes go to the back of his head, they went all blue, and he's raising him up. And what they did was, to end the episode of Raw, they slowed that footage down. Of Undertaker going like, you know, right. raising his hands and Austin behind him going, you son of a bitch. They slowed it down and then a voiceover of Undertaker at all the store going, I've taken you mind, body and soul, Austin. So, you know that he's serious because he's the first man to use post-production in the future. <laughs> he's fucking proper serious. So here we go. Undertaker versus Austin. Austin wants in the rumble. He's going to have to bury the Undertaker alive. First question, why is The Rock not main eventing his own pay-per-view? Yeah. yeah. That match was so much better than this match. In every way, shape, every and form. Every conceivable way. 
they often say buried live matches has been like only a handful in history. There's a reason for that. There's gimmick <laughs> matches where the gimmick enhances the match, and then there's gimmick matches where the gimmick is an obstacle to be overcome. Gee, which one is this, Kevin? It's is the second of <laughs> those. It's, it's too much of a spectacle. It's so no, it's silly. no, it's not a spectacle at all. Hell in the Cell is a spectacle because no. something spectacular happens. This isn't a spectacle. It's a lot of fucking Nesquik powder on the side no, of the no, ramp. No, no, no. I think it is a spectacle because, you know, it's a wrestling arena and you've got this big mound of dirt in a crane and everything. No, 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 but no. The act of burying isn't a spectacle. Well, nothing any. in the match is spectacular. I would say it's not a spectacle. On well, paper, it would seem like it could possibly be a spectacle, but no one leaving that arena would describe what they see here as a spectacle. No, but what I'm saying is the gimmick is meant to be set up as if it is. Like, yeah, well, if, if you're in the in the arena and you see like a big grave and like you know a giant digger and a shovel and shit, you'll be sat there thinking this is going to be fucking awesome. And then, how how wrong they were. Yeah, there'd only been one buried live match in the run up into this, which was Mankind and Undertaker in 1996. The grey side looks like a big brownie or a big slice of cake that they've just kind of settled into the side of the rampway. The grey stone uh, is, again, touted several times by Michael Cole to be £3,000. Now, does he mean the dirt? Like, Because there's a big mound of dirt. He is must that... mean the dirt as well. When they're actually discussing the stipulation for the match, Jerry says, That's right, you must bury your opponent any way, any... Shape you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've been buried a triangle. <laughs> it no! was my best of shape. <laughs> anyway, Austin starts off this match faster than a speeding bullet. He runs at the Undertaker the length of the rampway and ricochets off him. Yeah. Best move of the match. It's all downhill from there. Genuinely. Michael Cole goes, There are no rules. To win, you must bury your opponent. Which is a rule. That's a pretty big rule right there, yeah. There is one rule. <laughs> Rules are minimal. Rules are, are, are not really the focus. <laughs> Rules are de-emphasized. Doesn't, I, I suppose it doesn't sound as good. You know? God, I hate Michael Cole. Really awful brawling. I mean... So standard, isn't it? As like, a really? man... Here, here's the thing, right? Crowd brawling, it shouldn't just be kind of, oh, we'll brawl through the crowd for a bit. I think if you're going to go into the crowd or go ringside, like in the last match, they had stuff planned there. They did the yeah, stairs, they did the conference table. Yeah, when people just go into the crowd and just kind of punch back and forth or go around the ringside area and punch back and forth, it just comes across as lazy. Yeah, um, so bad. It's, and it's, they're it's, not doing anything. It's awful. I mean, as a man who's been to some live... Re- what happens live in a wrestling show, you don't know where everyone fucking is. Mm. When you're watching it at home, you're just kind of going... Do something. Do something, yeah. you know? I've got no investment in either of these. Yeah, so the storyline's pretty crap as well. I, I don't see. I think the storyline... I like the storyline going into this, mainly the fact that... This is Undertaker's first big kind of featured match. Is this you know embodiment of evil? This min- he's saying you know he's going to sacrifice Austin for the ministry. He's got new purpose. There's you know there is a new there is an actual there's more going into this than they had before. Yeah. And also you got you know Austin you know who's fighting to get in the Rumble for, for that sliver of hope to win the belt back. I think there is a considerable amount of bill going into this. I can't explain for the life of me though why there's no heat in this match at all every, it seems that every match they have is the same for me like it feels like uh, it, like when i hear when i see that undertaker and austin are having a match again it's just, it's this is again a lot, like, a lot of brawling this is just the same match but in different clothes really this is it? the this is the easily the worst match that they've had and now i would say this is not like the other matches they have because i mean they go they've had matches and they go on to have matches where they have a lot of you know quick paced you know back and forth in the ring they don't even go in the ring up for this at all like they're just mm. dicking around so it's not even a real it's not even a real match you know it's it's crazy they look they look they're up there brawling in the in the nest quick powder yeah and they come up and they're just they look they're covered in shit they look silly they look really silly 
And like Austin like puts Undertaker in the grave and everyone goes, Yay! And then he just stands up straight away and everyone's like, Oh. Yeah. Well they don't you know great. The problem with a buried alive match was that until like the second to last one they did, they had no quick fired way of just going, Boom, you're buried. Yeah. Because it takes a long time to fill in a grave. I mean, the one thing with wrestling is the finish has to be something quick that happens, like you know, yeah. something fast. And one, decisive. two, three. Yes, that's why countouts are crap and yeah. double countouts stuff like that. The idea of filling a grave with two tons of dirt is the most fucking mundane. And who, who thought that would be an exciting way to end a match? It's and considering that the last the last match that they did, they did this. You know, I, t- I mentioned it before, where like every heel in the company came out to start shoveling dirt because it took them so long. Yeah. This match, they haven't really kind of made up for that. Like, you know, this gently tipping in dirt. And here's a thought in this match as well. If you're Undertaker, you've crucified this man. You've won. You've already won. Yeah, you crucified you've won. him. You've taken the mind, body, and soul. You've done to this man what you're going to do to him. Everything after crucifixion is an afterthought in my mind. It, it seems like trivial. Both men look silly. And when they're burying him, Michael Cole is trying to put he's trying to put the soil over. Yeah. Oh, I was up there earlier, King. That soil was dark, cold, and damp. Ooh, you might catch a chill in addition to being Fuck buried alive. Now. They, they, they uncover the, the body several hours later, he's just got a sniffle. <laughs> oh damn you, damp earth. Stunner into a grave, Undertaker just gets up. Stunner into a grave. Stunner into a grave, Undertaker gets up. They made that sentence boring. <laughs> Stunner into a grave. Then the grave explodes after Undertaker gets out. Again, they made that. Exploding yeah. gra- exploding graves. That's, that's the name of my new concept it's album, tedious. by the way. <laughs> exploding graves. Kane then appears. Out the grave. Did he teleport? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, which, it's a big explosion and Kane just comes out of the grave. Which instantly ruins the fact that, oh, they're clearly not going to be buried alive because there's a trapdoor. Yeah. No, because then they go, uh, Jerry Lawler's like, was Kane in there the whole time? It's like, you get shot in there. It's like, no, he wasn't. He so clearly wasn't. There's one of two things. Either one, there's a trapdoor or Kane is magic. <laughs> but I know Kane, which one I want to believe. Kane yeah. is magic in such a way that they're kind of like, eh. You know, it's not like if someone... It's no something, big deal. Yeah, he's, just, like, he's just magic. Oh, but there's just an explosion and he appeared. You know, did someone say his name three times and the Kane <laughs> Boom, there he is. There's Kane. Austin comes out in a vehicle and crowds start going apeshit because, yeah, Austin the vehicle is always money in my mind. But the... <laughs> The digger can't get in the right position. It's so awkward. Undertaker's like lying Have in the bottom of the grave. Have it already there. Yeah. They, you, know, you know they've done a bad thing in the closing three minutes of a pay-per-view. Austin's just looking at a workman in a in a vehicle going, just, fuck, just put it down and I'll scoop it. Just put it down. <laughs> no, just put it down. He's given up, he's given up on it. And yeah. yeah, fine way to kill a match. Have an episode of Gardening World before the fucking finish comes. That's what they do. There's two lads slowly filling it in. Yeah. He brings it over, smooths it all out. And then there's an awkward moment where the grave is clearly filled, but, you know, Austin's music's not playing or anything yet. They haven't officially announced the end of the match. Austin grabs a beer. A filled grave, and yeah, he decides to drink a nice big soil-covered beer. Austin grabs a beer, and the second he pours a bit in it, then the music hits and yeah. it explodes. It was a bury your opponent alive and put a trickle of beer match. <laughs> He's trying to grow a beer tree. A- absolutely, uh, really, really shit. That was fucking awful. Why awful was match. that the main event? That was the yeah, the worst the worst Steve Austin match on the podcast so far. Undoubtedly. But again, I, it's nothing, I mean, buried alive... I mean, they couldn't work with much, could they? Yeah, you can't wrestle in the ring because I mean that's the whole thing about buried life. You can't work a match in the ring because it's psychology-wise, it makes no sense. Why are you going to work in the ring when there's the grave over yeah, there? You, you have, to, you have to go over to the big fucking sandcastle. So yeah, there you go. That's the end of that pay-per-view. 
Match of the night MVP. Adam. Match of the night MVP. Match of the night for me is a close one, so I wanted to give it to either Jeff Jarrett and Goldust, or I think I'm going to have to go ahead and give it to Owen Hart and Steve Blackman because that match was phenomenal. Despite the finish. Despite the finish, yeah, it was a crappy finish, but like you say, you shouldn't discredit a whole match just because of the way it ends. Exactly. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Are you a fan of the blue blazer gimmick then? Yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen any blue blazer because I uh, I wasn't watching around yeah. this time. So I'm actually really enjoying what I'm seeing so far. I might have to start watching Raw as yeah, well. Yeah, there's some great clips of him. So uh, MVP then? Undoubtedly The Rock. Yeah. Without a doubt, he's so fucking entertaining on this. He's really, really settled into what his role is now, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And good God, it's good. Yeah. All right, Billy. Match of the night. Match of the night for me is most definitely Owen Hart and Steve Blackman. Um, again, as, as Adam said, you shouldn't discredit a match because of the way it ends. I thought it was an incredible match and both guys in the match were such hard workers mm. and put everything into it. Mm. So um, I think that's definitely the, 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 my match of the night. I think they were smart as well for Owen to play up to the crowd and Blackman to, you know, as he said before, Blackman just to kind of go with it, yeah. you know? Uh, that, that's 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 the mark of like you know something pretty awesome I think you know if guys can do that MVP MVP is for me is I'm really stuck because it's for me it's between Mick Foley and The Rock mm. um, you so would give the MVP award to the man that broke your heart what again what becomes of the broken <laughs> um, but both guys I, I have really good reason to give it to mm. them. Um, I think. Just by his performance alone tonight, though, I'm, I think I'm more inclined to give it to uh, Foley yeah. as my uh, MVP. Cool! <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> match of the night and MVP. Match of the night, I have to say, I'll go with the, the title match. Foley versus The Rock. I thought it was fucking awesome. Mm. Uh, it was really, really good. Kind of like the calm before the storm, because obviously the subsequent matches we're going to review with these guys get real fucking brutal, yes. real fucking quick. So I have to say, no, I love this match. I thought it was really good. You might you notice know, they managed to tell the nice kind of corporate storyline guy getting screwed over, but there wasn't a million run-ins and there wasn't loads of screws. Yeah, yeah. It was, they still, the guys still got to have a good match. It's a good old-fashioned screw job. Yeah, I liked it. It was really awesome. I think all the guys excel in their, in their role as well. So that's why I say MVP would probably be Mick Foley yeah. in this. Because, yeah, I think, you know, Foley, it was, I mean... Going out there being the guy who's just kind of, you know, the new guy who's going for the belt and to have to cut a lengthy promo about a contract, mm. you know, that is surefire way to kill all your heat. I mean, he he he, pulled, he had a good promo tonight. He had a great match. He made The Rock look like a badass. He got so over as well. Yeah. Everyone went mental. As well as something, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't seen this pay-per-view in its entirety ever. Uh, I'd only ever seen the, the final two matches. So it was nice now seeing this and actually looking at them preempting the Royal Rumble match with all this talk about quitting. Oh, That's yeah. it's awesome. I mean, people say that you know Adam Shearer was such a car crash booking, but to actually have that far in advance. You only get foreshadowing like that, do you? Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. So yeah, that's gonna do it, and that is gonna do it for us on the Attitude Era podcast. Thank you so much for listening in on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher Radio. As always, if you want to help us out immeasurably, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. We will be eternally grateful if you can do that. Thank you so much for your review so far. Also on YouTube, check us out. We've got uh, some videos we're putting up there. Find Botchamania.com. If you want to follow us, Twitter is the place to do it. At AE Podcast. Live tweeting raw. Things of that nature. Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast as well. Go and give us a like. We put up pictures and videos and sometimes some goofs and gaffs as well. You drew a picture then the other day, didn't you? I-
Patronising me. <laughs> <laughs> we picture. put it right on the Facebook. Adam even drew a little picture. You tell him about your picture, Adam. Go on. Go on, tell him your picture. Mr. Dot Com, isn't it? a picture of Paul Ellering, yeah. yeah. Kevin said it was very good. It was very good. I put it right on the refrigerator. Right, right there. Do you notice that Paul Ellering looks like Dr. X from... Uh, he really does, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. That's going to do it for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. Me, Billy. Thanks very much for listening to the Attitude Era podcast. So long, 1998. Next time you'll see us, we'll be chatting 1999. And shit gets weird real quick.